0: You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode.
1: It's about to be a fun ride, follow along, watch as we slide, paranormal just hit the lights, goosebumps all through the night, mixing just a little bit of twain, that girl sure can't do it. So hard it'll hurt your brain, podcast you won't ever change, these two here, they got the recipe, sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries,
2: eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories, and now here's your host, Jerry and Tracy Polly, and their dog, Ninja. <sighs> <sighs>
3: What's up, everyone?
4: This is Clay Waddell, host of the most OKest podcast, and you are listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories with Jerry and Tracy Pauley.
5: I said it's gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn
4: So get those stakes up higher
5: There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there They're all living, the devil may care And I'm just a devil with love to spare So my
1: Las Vegas
5: Oh I wish that there
1: were more than the
0: 24 hours in the day. Okay, okay. Welcome everybody to episode 50, the big 5-0 of Woo-hoo! Hillbilly Horror Stories. This is Jerry and I am with Tracy. Hey guys. But Tracy but. is only with us for a short time tonight. I told you last week there was going to be a surprise this week. Five stories, uh, but Tracy is not going to be a part of any of them.
4: Okay, stop the applause. Stop the applause.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Tracy actually has a trip. To, uh, we're actually recording this uh, early in, earlier in the week, but she's got a trip to Las Vegas for work, uh, so she won't be here. So we thought it would be kind of cool to have each one of our children sit in on a segment.
4: Yeah, heathens.
0: are heathens. <laughs> so that's kind of what we're going to do. So um, we've got my son, Austin. My son Alex, who you've heard before, and my daughter Amber, and then we've got my stepson Joshua, who you've not heard, and stepdaughter. Both of those are Tracy's children from a uh, previous marriage. And Tr- uh, Kristen has actually been on the show before. Mm-hmm. She was on the uh, the show we did on um, the Amityville Horror. Yeah, so you guys have heard her. So two of the two of the five, of you guys have heard. And uh, like I said, we're going to do five different segments, and uh, each one to be a little bit of a surprise, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I know we're going to talk about Annabelle, the true story behind Annabelle. We're going to talk about haunted movie curses, the toxic woman. Uh, we're going to talk about Vince Neil from Motley Crue,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and a very interesting story that uh, we're going to do with Kristen. I'm going to keep as a surprise right to the very end.
4: But, <laughs> Even but, to her? Uh, <laughs>
6: well,
0: no, she knows what it is. We uh we've had a lot of people ask us about Dibbic boxes. And um we decided we were gonna do one of probably the most famous story of a Dibbic box. So Oh, so you just told. I don't know. I,
4: you cannot keep, keep a secret. secret. I can't dude. keep a secret, so. Well, I'm just gonna say I'm gonna miss you guys. Don't forget about me or love anybody more than me. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm excited for the kids to do it. They're excited and I just think it's gonna be a great show. Um I will definitely be, uh, well, will I be back by then? I might be back, back come, by then. You
0: come back Sunday night about the time it's released a bit. Oh, by the time okay. You get here.
4: Okay, cool. So yeah, I'll be just as surprised as you guys are.
0: Yep. Yeah, so, uh, like I said, we'll, uh, get on with the show and, uh, stay tuned and we're just going to do these in five different segments and it might not flow like it usually did, but we said it was going to be different. So
4: yeah. And I'm going to go, uh, clean out the slot machines, eat about 5,000 pounds of crab leg. And uh, You said it like
0: it's one crab leg.
4: Well, a bunch of crab legs. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you all been to Vegas? Because they like slice the crab leg down the middle, and all you have to do is run your fork down it and dip it in the butter. The butter. I'm, mm. I'm
0: pretty sure that they do that in other places besides Oh, I know, Vegas. but you don't have
4: to do all that work. All you have to do is run your fork down it. You don't even have to crack the crab.
0: Well, not everybody gives a fork.
4: What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, everybody's going to be looking like, um, hello, you got 10,000 pounds of, uh, crab legs on your plate. And I'm going to leave. So what? What?
0: So for those of you who give the negative reviews on iTunes about, uh, you wish Tracy would go ahead and go, uh, <gasps> this would be a good opportunity to be able to see how it goes without her. And who knows? I mean, maybe it does go better. Maybe we just.
4: You are mean and hateful. <laughs> I just may not come back. Don't say promise yes, either. Sir. Cause I knew you were going to say that.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. And, uh, let's. <laughs>
4: Sorry. Dang. Uh,
0: <laughs> As I push her out the door.
4: I oh, know. Um, Cedar. Gosh.
0: No. We go. Uh, it is going to be kind of fun, uh, but I wanted her to sit in at least and do a little yeah. intro let people know. Cause this is
4: my life. It's part of it, and I'm going to miss it. But y'all, I would ask you if y'all could maybe just say a little prayer for safe travels and and all that fun stuff. I
0: would appreciate that. Even though theoretically, when you listen to this, she'll already be back home, so it really oh, yeah. irrelevant. <laughs>
6: <laughs> okay that was dumb
4: <laughs>
0: alright guys we'll be back shortly with five very cool ass stories alright
4: guys love y'all
0: alright before we get going too far I wanted to give a quick shout out to all the military and the civil servants in the, in the world thank you guys for everything that you do uh, some quick yeah. iTunes reviews Tchotchke thank you so much uh, looks like c 2 Main, Vicki Robinson Teradell 86 Natasha, M B even though she had signed the name as Anaphylaxis. I believe that's a false name. Uh, Lucia777, 777A, J. Dahmer45. I'm hoping that's not Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, then we got Labyrinth. We got C. Bynum at Kentucky Lake. Then a bunch of letters GDBITCJUT. Looks like VS. S, V, something. Bunch of letters. Didn't really spell anything out. I think that was done on purpose. X-Ray Vision, Misty Pop. Thank you so much for those reviews. Please keep the reviews going as we preach every show and every other podcast. does. This helps us more than you ever know. The more reviews we get, we start showing up on lists. We get more listeners. That helps us all the way around. Eventually, we would love to make this a full-time job. That's only going to happen as we get more listeners. So keep the reviews coming, and please spread the words to all your friends. Okay, Uh, real quick, Patreon. We released the last Patreon episode. It's gone great. We're actually doing listener stories uh, for the next one that comes out April 1st. If you are a listener and you have a story and want to be on that episode, please send us a message on Facebook. Or email, and we will set up a time next week to be able to record your story for that show. But uh, here's who we had Patreon wise uh, Abigail Haley, Stephanie Martin, Julia Miller, Nick Hall, Rhonda Bradley, Tara Vandeveer. I hope I'm saying your name right, Tara. I hope it's Vandeveer uh, because otherwise I butched it. But thank you guys so, so much. Uh, we also had a couple of people buy some T-shirts. We posted some pictures on the sites. Remember, if you want to join Patreon or you want to get a T-shirt or if you just want to make a one-time donation, um, which we actually have had a couple of people do that, please go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. You can do all of that there. Um, the one thing I do want to put on is the black T-shirts now that are listed as, tw- as uh, $25 on the site um uh, might be 20 I can't remember what it is 25 26 dollars on the side anything that's black I can now get in pretty much any color uh so if you click if you want say a shirt in blue navy blue sky blue whatever just click on the picture and when it sends out something to us under the special notes tell me you want it in blue tell me you want it in red burgundy Get close to the color you want, and I'll find something that matches up close. So that's going to start giving people a lot a better assortment of shirts than what we were able to do in the back uh, before it was black, gray, and white, and that was it. So without further ado, uh, I wanted to go ahead and start playing these uh, these recordings of all five. Uh, one of them was over the phone. The other four were in person. But uh, I think you're going to enjoy This There's a lot of cool-ass stories on here, and uh, we enjoyed doing them, and we hope you guys enjoy them just as much. Okay, we are joined by Tracy's daughter, Kristen. Kristen has been on the show before; she was on our one of our Amityville horror episodes. Kristen, glad to have you back. Hello,
6: everyone. Good to be back.
0: Tell me that doesn't sound amazingly like I her know. mother's
6: voice. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, it's really her daughter. We sound exactly alike. I know we get that all the time, <laughs> but it's me.
0: What we were deciding to do, we were we went back and forth on stories to do together, and I kind of know the subjects that you're really into when it comes to paranormal. And I thought this one would hit close to home. And I'm going to put a disclaimer on this right off the bat. I do not know if this is a 100% true story. I have heard uh, that it's possible that the gentleman that put this up on uh, on the site, it was also a writer. And so he just hmm. may have done a really good job of writing the story that went along with it. I don't know. It.
6: it sounds pretty
0: real to me. It's a really good job regardless. And we got some stuff to add to the end that Kristen may not even be aware of yet, but Ooh, we'll go ahead roses. and we'll go ahead and tell the story. Whether it's true, whether it's not, it's still a hell of a story. It's
6: awesome. So, I loved reading about it.
0: We've had several requests uh, over the time of doing this about Dybbuk boxes. And if you are familiar with the movie The Possession that came out uh, three, four or five years ago, that movie was actually loosely based on on this situation, so I
6: have not seen the movie. Yeah, the but now the movie, I want to. The have movie's completely different,
0: though. Oh. It's, the movie's got a bunch of stuff, but it's but the whole thought of it is they get this box and it's got these things go along. But as far as anything that happens in a movie, it really doesn't tie into this. It was just inspired them because the thought of having a Dybbuk box that could be cursed uh, with these things was good enough to write a movie. After that, the rest of it's.
6: When Jerry told me that we were doing it on the Dybbuk box and I did some research about it, I was super excited because it's a wine box and I love wine. However, I did research and there's no wine in this box. Actually, there's (laughs) a lot of weird things in this box that I would totally freak out because... They sold it on eBay, correct?
0: Correct. That's where all this comes from, the ad that was on eBay.
6: I love, like I said, I love wine. And I would be stupid enough to, like, buy this thing and there's, like, all kinds of cool wines in it. But there's not. It's, like, some really weird shit in it.
0: (laughs) But I'd be be honest. I I doubt that you would fall for it because everything that we're going to tell you in this story, uh, as you researched... Is actually what was in the eBay ad. Oh, so okay. this guy, everything we're reading, he, he put fully this. Disclosed yeah, it everything. was. Just, it was fully disclosed, like a mop. Anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So we're going to talk about the, the divic box. Here's the situation. Um, this guy puts an ad on eBay, and it was in June of two thousand and three. And here's how he started off. He said all of the events that I'm about to set forth in the listing are accurate. And can be verified um, to the winning bidder with copies of hospital records and sworn affidavits that I am um, including as part of the sale the, of the unit here, the cabinet. So he started off with that disclaimer. So here's what happens. He goes to 2001 to an estate sale in Portland, Oregon. There was a 103 year old woman who had passed away. She grew up in Poland, she got married, had a family. Unfortunately, this was during the time of World War II. She was uh, a
6: Holocaust survivor. Yeah, she she? Yeah.
0: she went to a concentration camp. Unfortunately, she was the only person in her family who survived. Her parents, um she had a, three brothers or her, her brothers, a sister, a husband, two sons and a daughter all passed away in the concentration camp.
1: was so she, sad. She
0: somehow escaped with a bunch of other people. She went to Spain. And supposedly that's where she bought this little small wine cabinet, and from that point on, things happened. I guess, and one of the three items that she was able to bring over to the United States was, was the, box. the wine cabinet, a what? steamer, a steamer, um, what they call them, trunk, mm-hmm. and a sewing box.
6: Of all things, that's pretty random. Wh- it is, but if she knew what this box was doing. I would have probably grabbed something else and left that there. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, because, guys, once you hear what this box does, I mean, it's insane. I would want nothing to do with it. But she kept it her whole life.
0: Yep. So he goes at this estate sale. He buys the wine cabinet, the sewing box, and some other furniture. And after the sale, the woman's granddaughter comes up to him and, and she says, Hey, I see you got the Dybbuk box. And she was referring to the wine cabinet. And he said, well, what's a, what's a Dybbuk box? And granddaughter said, well, that's what my grandmother called it. She kept it locked up in the sewing room out of reach of the kids. And he said, well, what, what's inside of it? And when, or, as the girl actually asked her grandma what was inside of it. She said when she did, her grandma spit three times through her fingers and said a Dybbuk and a Kesselum I have no idea what that is. I don't either, because I I tried to Google it, and I couldn't come up with anything on that. I
6: couldn't even spell it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I can spell (laughs) it. But she said, told the little girl that it was never to be open. So, Grandma had requested that this Dybbuk box be buried with her, but it was against the rules of an Orthodox Jewish burial, so Mm -hmm. they didn't. Now, he asked what a Dybbuk and a Keslam were, and she didn't know. Um... Basically, he said he said, "Well, would you like to open it with me?" Hold my beer. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Would you like to open <laughs> it with me?" And she said, "No." In honor of her grandma's wishes, she didn't she didn't want to piss grandma off. Mm-hmm. And he offered to let her keep it, and she's like, "No, you bought it, you take it." Yeah, and he's like, "Well, I, don't, I didn't want my money back. I just feel like it's an heirloom, and yeah. you guys would probably want it." Well, then the girl kind of got upset. And she started raising her voice and she's like, No, you bought it, you made she it. You'll want, take, you know, she knew what was up. You know, take the shit and get out of my house. <laughs> so when he would try to start speaking to her, she started yelling like, We don't want it. All
6: right, damn bitch, I'll take the box. Yeah, and
0: then and, and she's now she's asking him <laughs> to leave. So this guy's like "Okay." he damn. didn't went from thinking he's doing something nice to being quickly. Es- yeah, escorted <laughs> off the property. So at the time that he bought it, he owned this little small furniture refinishing business. And he thought, well, you know what? I'll I'll put it in the basement. My mother's birthday is coming up a couple of weeks from now, and I'll just refinish it and I'll give it to my mother as a gift. So one morning he comes, he opens opens the shop, he gets everything going like you would, you know, in general, but then he left to go run some errands. He got a call about a half hour after he left. It was the salesperson who works at the store and she called him up and, and she said that she thought somebody had broken into place mm-hmm. because she could hear so all this like glass. Screaming yeah, screaming, ocean. swearing, glass breaking. Um So obviously she thought it was an intruder. But she also said that he had locked the door and the security gate so she couldn't get out. He told her to call the popo. That's the <laughs> police for anybody outside of you. Uh, <laughs> he He get, He gets there. He finds the gate locked, like she said, and the employees on the floor, she's crying. She's done lost it.
6: Oh, my God.
0: And he goes downstairs to see what, what the commotion is. And he, he, as soon as he starts to walk downstairs, he gets hit with this smell of cat piss. Uh,
6: you know, and they say they some smell cat piss, some smell uh, jasmine.
0: Right. Like that's a, two completely different, two different smells.
6: I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, like, crazy.
0: He gets all the way down to the basement, and... He sees instantly, while well, the lights don't work because he tries to turn them on, but every one of the light bulbs down there were broken. He had like nine regular light bulbs and uh, ten or eleven of the of the long fluorescent bulbs, and every one of them were busted out. Well, that's going to be a little pricey
6: to replace. <laughs>
0: that sucks. Poor guy. But, but there was no intruder, and, you know, basically one entrance into the place. So whoever it would have been would have had to come down there past the salesperson. There's yeah, no way would have seen it. Yeah. There's no way they could have snuck in. So he goes upstairs. He's going to talk to the salesperson. She's done gone. She's like, yeah,
6: if y'all, I don't get paid enough for this bullshit. Yeah. And she, <laughs> she, she
0: she never came back and she had worked for him for two years. Dang. Now he never related anything of this happening to the cabinet.
6: Right. He just thought it was some, I mean, why, how, why would he, you know?
0: Right. So now let's fast forward about two weeks later. He decided he was going to start refinishing this for his mom's birthday present. He found out that it's got a cool mechanism. in it. when you opened up one of the doors, the other door would open automatically and a little drawer underneath. So all these would, you know, come open automatically when you just open one of the doors. Mm -hmm. He said it was really well made. And he decided that he wasn't going to. You know, uh, refinish it. He was just going to clean it up and put some lemon oil on it and use that. And during the course of all this playing with the box and, and maneuvering around, he finds out what's in it for the first time. So here's what you got you got a 1928 U.S. wheat penny, a 1925 wheat penny, a small lock of blonde hair that was bound with string. Weird. A, a, yep, yeah, a small lock of black slash brown hair that was bound in string, one small granite statue that was engraved with some Hebrew letters, one dried rosebud, a golden wine cup. I don't know if that's like a chalice. It's like a
6: chalice that they do at the church, which, by the way, from the picture, is super tiny. And it's not enough to drink enough wine. And it's like you take a shot of it. It's It's like a shot shot of wine. It's like a shot of wine. It's like not (laughs) even enough to drink the wine. But yeah, it's like a chalice that they use in the Catholic
0: Church. It had a black cast iron candlestick holder with octopus legs. That's weird. It sounds like something you would use like at the ugly uh, Christmas ornament. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sure. And then the last thing that was odd, it was a used condom.
6: No, it was not. <laughs> they didn't have that back then. No, I made
0: that up. It wasn't used. It was still in the package. It-, it was a the Trojan. It was a Trojan wine. <laughs> <clears throat> but no, okay, there was no condom in it. So he decided that, you know, he was going to send this back to the family and uh, they refused it, oddly enough. I, I mean,
6: I would not even contact that woman, actually. She, like, like, pretty
0: much cussed why me Why would you think they would want what's inside of it when it's obvious they wanted you out? Exactly. This guy, and this guy can't take a hint to save his life.
6: Yeah, and you guys will find out because he regifts this thing, like, ten damn times. <laughs> I'm like, really, dude?
0: <laughs> so, he decides he just included it in the sale on eBay, so he lets people know what's there. But after opening this thing, he, just, you know, obviously decided not to refinish all that. But as he was putting the lemon oil on the back of it... He noticed there was a Hebrew inscription carved in the back of the cabinet, and he didn't know what it said. He didn't bother to look it up. He he took some pictures and put it on eBay so you would be able to see what it is. So his mom calls him up. They were going to celebrate her birthday. This was her birthday gift. Mm -hmm. She said she was going to go out of town. His brother's birthday was on the 28th, and she wasn't going to be back till the 31st, which Mm -hmm. conveniently enough is Halloween. Uh And Uh so they decided, okay, just come by the store on Halloween. I'll take you out to lunch. We'll celebrate your birthday then. Mm -hmm. And uh, she says, okay. So she comes to the shop on the 31st. They were getting ready to go to lunch, but he decided to give her the wine cabinet first. He takes her down. She's looking at it. He gets a phone call and he says, I'll be back. He goes upstairs. He wouldn't even gone five minutes. And, And one of his employees starts telling him, hey, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with your mom Mm -hmm. and he runs down there she's sitting right next to the box pretty much expressionless tears rolling down her face and he gets her to the hospital because he couldn't get her to respond it turns out she had a stroke
1: Mm -hmm.
0: partial paralysis she couldn't speak or form words and the only thing she could do was like point to letters
6: yeah and that's when she typed the hate gift <laughs> what did she say no gift hate gift that's what she typed
0: yeah well, it was funny because she typed, she said no gift first yeah and he thought that somehow in the midst of the stroke she thought that he didn't get her a gift
6: Oh, okay. And he's yeah. like,
0: no, I got you a gift and everything. I got you that wine box. And then and he's, this,
6: she's saying that yeah, she hates the then gift. Then she said
0: hate gift, which, once again, doofus here, still doesn't put two and two together.
6: He's such a disappointment to his
0: mother. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> he's like, well, when you get out, I'll take you and get you whatever you want. Sorry yeah. you don't like the gift. I'm going to give it to somebody else now. Yeah, but at this point, he's pretty much been cussed out by the people who had it, mm-hmm. been told what it supposedly was. Mm-hmm. He's had this stuff happen and scare off his his salesperson at his store. Now his mom has a stroke. Now his mom has a stroke, says she don't like to give, and none of this has it ever dawned on him, you know, maybe it's the wine.
6: So what does he do, guys? He gives it to his brother.
0: Well, that's what you should do, obviously. You want to give it to another family member.
6: Mm
0: -hmm. Right, so he gives it it to his brother, and uh, actually he gave it to his sister Oh, his sister. He gave it to his sister, and she kept it for a week. And she said the doors kept coming open on it and, Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't, the doors wouldn't shut and it kept coming open. She gives it back to him, but he didn't have any problems. There's no springs or anything in it, in the door. So there's no reason why it would keep open or not shut. Then he gave it to his brother and his, and his brother's wife. They kept it for three days. Now this goes into what you were saying earlier
6: with the smells. Yeah.
0: The, the brother said he kept smelling jasmine. But the sister in law kept saying it smelled like cat piss.
6: I think this box doesn't like women. Is no. what it sounds like, honestly, because he, nothing's happened to him. The saleswoman was—it was a woman, yep. The mother and the brother smelling the good stuff, and the poor uh, wife is smelling the cat piss.
0: That's a good point because I hadn't picked up on that.
6: So I mean, yeah, I mean something's
0: going on with that. Then he gives it to his girlfriend. She kept it for two days, gave it back to him, and told him sell it.
6: <laughs> Why would he – he must have been trying to, like, break up with her or something. Like, after all that, oh, I'm just going to give it to my girlfriend. Freaking! Oh, my God, this guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, how do you not – now, after going through what we talked about before, now it's went through your brother, sister, and girlfriend, and you're still
6: – You're still trying to give it to people. Like, what the hell?
0: And you know what's odd is right now I smell Japanese cherry blossom. At this moment? At this moment.
6: <gasps> it's not me. I haven't used any.
0: It's the – Air freshener oh, in the room. Just
6: okay. Oh, okay. That's so weird.
0: So, you know, sometimes you guys will hear something in the background. We have those automatic air fresheners, just and for I forget to, I forget to turn them off.
1: No, so, like
0: Psh. every four and a half minutes, they go off. But it's a uh, and those are really cool because, like, they go off. You hear the and then, like, fifteen seconds later, you hear another. Mm, that sh. smells good, and then it don't smell good again until nine minutes later.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you guys can't smell it.
0: <laughs> so he. Takes it to sell it per his girlfriend's wishes. He sold it the same day to this nice little middle aged couple. Three days later, he goes to open his shop, and it's sitting out in front of the shop, and it's got a note on it that says, "This has bad darkness." Ooh. So he does the obvious. Here's thing. your
6: sign. <laughs>
0: he does the obvious thing. He takes it home with him. Freaking,
6: this guy. Oh my gosh. You, Kevin Manis, you.
0: <laughs> so the day one of him having it in his in his crib. Um, trying to hip the show up a little bit he has this dream it's a recurring recurring nightmare he starts having Mm -hmm. and he says he's walking it's always with a good friend or somebody he trusts at some point he looks into the eye of the person and then he starts realizing something's different it's like they're some type of an evil person at this point the person changes into the most gruesome demonic looking hag ever seen Ugh. so i'm thinking rosie o'donnell
6: oh poor lady
0: that's where i always go with. Ugh, she i'm is thinking kind of rosie. ugly yeah
6: She's or really ugly, actually
0: or hillary clinton could Ugh, be either one she
6: is really ugly
0: Ugh. then the hag beats the shit out of him <laughs> which i don't know if it's a turn on for him Ooh,
6: or. he's like oh i'm keeping this box Yeah. <laughs>
0: He wakes up. He's got bruises and stuff, and and uh, you know, sore all over his body from where this happens. Once again, still doesn't associate this with the box. This guy's slow. <laughs> I bet. I bet his business probably isn't thriving. Ah, <laughs> uh, for real, seriously. <laughs> so now a month goes by. He's at his thing for a month. Sister, his brother, and his wife. Come over, and they're all going to spend the night. Mm-hmm. First of all, what kind of weird ass sleepover is this? Where you got your brother, your sister, and his wife all coming over for a sleepover?
6: Who does that? I, I don't know. I would not do that. It's
0: just weird. <laughs> so the following morning at breakfast, the sisters complaining about how she had a horrible nightmare, and she had had it a few times before, but it had been a while back. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's the exact same nightmare is what he's having what he with ha- the hag and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Rosie O'Donnell gets around. (laughs) (laughs) And so he looks at the the brother and the wife, and and they're like, hey, wait a minute. We've had that same dream. It wouldn't last night, but we've had that dream. So they start figuring out the one common denominator.
6: Hello. Yeah.
0: All of them had the dreams when that cabinet, wine cabinet, was at their house. Mm Mm-hmm.
6: At some point, didn't he put the cabinet in, like, a storage unit outside the house? Yeah.
0: Yeah, because he, he calls his girlfriend up, and he says, Hey, babe, uh, I'm still kind of ignorant on this, and I've already asked everyone mm-hmm. and they said the same. But tell me about this dream, if you've had any dreams. Mm-hmm. And she said, Yeah, you know, I've had that dream, too. And he's like, Okay, when did that happen? Did that happen while you had the box, mm-hmm. the, the cabinet? She's like, Yeah, how did you know? Mm-hmm. And he's probably like, well, I don't know that I didn't know because I'm pretty stupid. apparently. <laughs> but,
6: <laughs> oh, this guy. but by now, everybody's Every, had the it's same It's finally starting to make sense for him.
0: I, I hope. Well, then he starts noticing. He starts seeing these shadowy creatures all the time. Because after they discovered now what's going on, all hell breaks loose. Mm-hmm. He's seeing shadowy figures. Now visitors are coming to his house and they're also seeing these shadowy creatures.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He decides to put it out in the outside storage. Okay. Okay.
6: So that's when he yep. gets the storage. Okay.
0: He gets the smoke alarm goes off one night mm-hmm. and tells him that there's a fire out there.
6: Oh Jesus! There's a fire.
0: <laughs> this guy's some kind of stupid. <laughs> so he goes out there. There's no smoke. There's no nothing. But it smells like cat piss. Ugh. Really strong cat piss.
6: And cat piss really stinks.
0: And and keep in mind th- this snow. guy doesn't have any pets of any kind. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason to have this. He goes back inside the house. Guess what the house smelled like? Cabinets. Absolutely. So he does the obvious thing. He goes out and gets the cabinet and brings it back in the damn house.
6: I would have thrown this damn thing (laughs) off a bridge.
0: He starts searching the internet to try to find out what's going on. How do you search? Got bought weird cabinet, house smells like cat piss. Well, and
6: Enter. exactly. And one thing, I mean, it is a wine cabinet, but a Dybbuk is not what the actual box is. A Dybbuk is a spirit or demon that is supposed to um, haunt or possess the living. So apparently the Dybbuk was living in the box. But, I mean, I don't guess he would know that, you know. I don't know what he would have typed
0: in Google. Wasn't that like an old song? Dybbuk in the box? Or,
6: I think you're thinking of Dick
0: in the box. <laughs> <laughs> I, think <I'm, laughs> I think I'm thinking of do it in the butt. Anyway, <laughs> it would work. It would still work if it's the same. <laughs> so he gets, he's got this thing in here. He falls asleep while he's searching the internet because you know he's tired. When you when you when you've got a he's been thinking got, awfully hard you today. Some, you got smoke alarms going off. <laughs> you got a possessed wine cabinet. Yeah, you can't it figure out. A tired. I can see why you're tired. He wakes up. He falls asleep. He wakes up. Of course, when he falls asleep, he has that same dream. Mm -hmm. He wakes up around 4.30 in the morning, and he said he felt breathing on his neck. (laughs) That's so creepy. Now the house smells like jasmine, which is the first sign... Well, as you said, he was smelling all the urine and stuff too, so, unlike the that women. So make that kind sense. of puts that up. I out. don't
6: know what the, why it's one thing and something completely different the next. Then he
0: understand. sees this huge shadow going down the hall away from him. So whatever it was that he sees walking away was just what was breathing on his neck, I guess Dude, waking it him up. Yeah, and left his room. Yeah, and then it was leaving. He probably had it, he was probably anally assaulted.
6: Oh, anal probed.
0: That's gross. gross. <laughs> now he said he would destroy it. To answer your question, but he didn't have any kind of clue what he was dealing with. And, you know, if he destroyed it, what would that
6: Right. It'd yeah. like make it like 10 times worse on him.
0: You know, what, and the thing of it is, what if it just stayed with him? Now it's, now it don't have a box.
6: And he's just like chilling there.
0: I guess it'd be like ripping a turtle out of its shell and say, now, right. now what?
6: What are well, you going to do now? Man, got you no, he had <laughs> nowhere now.
0: Got no protection. Uh, <laughs> you're taking away my mobile home. So
6: <laughs> he's just, just chilling there.
0: <laughs> so then. He had said that somebody had told him that eBay shoppers really look for that kind of thing, specifically look for that kind of thing, and that's where he should be able to get rid of it. Mm
6: -hmm. I did not know that.
0: So when he put this ad on there, he put on there, hey, you know, this is why I'm putting it here. I've been told that there's people out there that know what they're dealing with here, Mm -hmm. and it can be handled the correct way. So if this is you, please buy it.
1: Mm
6: -hmm.
0: And then he even put on there, help me. And he put no minimum on there, so any offer would have would have gotten
6: it. Yeah, like, here's a penny. Here you go. Have a great day.
0: Oh, and then I also forgot to mention that the day that his mom had a stroke, mm-hmm. uh, they also terminated the lease on his uh, his little uh, refinishing <gasps> place. So it wasn't <laughs> for,
6: thriving. Yeah. yeah. For no,
0: well, the, the people would terminate the lease for no reason, so I don't think he oh, was Oh, so it wasn't
6: him. It. Oh, so maybe some bad luck did
0: happen to him. So this is what the guy did. I didn't, you know, I thought maybe since it's been a few years that we would kind of be able to get an update. Mm-hmm. So I found this out. So the guy, the guy sold it on eBay. He did yeah. sell it.
6: He sold and it to like a student, right?
0: Yeah, he sold it to a couple of people. It's, it's transferred hands a few times yeah. since then. But what, what we read to you basically was all included in. In this eBay ad. Mm-hmm. So, anybody who was going to buy this heard everything we just told you. Yeah. So, every owner of the box has reported that smells of cat urine or jasmine flowers and nightmares involving an old hag accompanying the box. Loseef Nitschke, a Missouri student at Truman State University of Kirksville, Missouri, uh, was the last person to auction the box on eBay. He claimed that the box caused lights to burn out in his house and his hair to fall out. Ew. Jason Haxton, director of museum of osteopathic medicine in Kirksville, Missouri had been following Nitsky's blogs and, and uh, regarding the box. And when he was ready to be rid of the box, Nitsky sold it to Haxton. Haxton wrote the Divick box and claims that he subsequently developed strange health problems, mm-hmm. including hives, coughing up blood, head-to-toe wells. Haxton also consulted with the rabbis to try to figure out a way to seal the divvick in the box again. Apparently unsuccessful, he took the freshly resealed box and hid it at a secret location, which he will not reveal.
6: And he... um, Although all these crazy things were happening to him, he is kind of a skeptic, and he believes that the box kind of plays off the energy that you give. So if you have... I mean, basically what he's saying is if you have a neutral energy, the box will play off of it and, and not do so so much crazy things. But if you, like, go into it with the, the thoughts of, you know, this is evil, it's going to, like, do all this bad stuff, that that bad stuff's going to happen. He truly believed that. Even though he had all that crazy crap happening to him, he was still a skeptic on it. And he still has the box, right? Is that what you said? You're talking
0: about the Nitsky guy? No, this I is the I mean, the, uh, the guy? Haxton guy? This is yeah. He's, he's got he, it
6: hidden away somewhere. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that's so crazy.
0: I cannot imagine.
6: So it's still out there, people.
0: Yeah, if that didn't sound like a true Tracyism, I don't know.
6: <laughs> a Tracyism. <laughs> I
0: mean, I, mean, she I had, learned from the best. She had the. Uh, she even had I the. I mean, it's, she even had the. uh, Oh, and now she even threw in the. I mean. <laughs>
6: <laughs> but it's just—it's so weird. Just I couldn't imagine. You know, I've never personally had any paranormal or crazy thing ever happened to me but when i read stuff about like this happening to people like i truly believe that it's real i do i do believe that there's things out in the world that can happen to people that we can't explain so like reading about this was just crazy it was was very
0: interesting i would really like to know more about the stuff that was in the box and how that pertained
6: like what's up with the hair like did two girls drink too much wine out of the box and shave their head maybe like Britney Spears. A, maybe
0: it was a box wine. Maybe it was. Technically any wine in there would be a box wine. Is it? Well I mean it's in a box. I don't know. It's so confusing. Who the hell keeps wine in a box anyway?
6: I don't box wine is good though. Well not
0: that kind of box wine. I mean I'm talking oh, about like, like a like a box to hold wine. Like I don't this one the they are trying to be
6: fancy and
0: but I mean, you know, I've seen like wine cellars and I've seen um Like the racks you put on the wall? Because
6: people try to be fancy. Guys, I go to Rite Aid. I get a bottle of Barefoot Moscato, and I drink it right out of the bottle. I don't even get worry about dirtying up a glass. Uh, There's no fanciness over here. But some people do. They got to, like, sniff it and, like, eat their cheese with it. It's
0: weird. You know, I never understood that about alcohol. Of course, I don't drink. But why do you have all these different glasses? You know, why in hell does somebody at your house, they'll have this big-ass Eight ounce glass for mm-hmm. whiskey, mm-hmm. and they'll pour half an inch in it. I know. And then I don't they'll, understand. And then, and then they'll they'll keep doing it. They'll just feel the thing. You're, first of all, you're not putting ice in it most well, of the time, so it's not so, going to get can hot like, on you.
6: Enjoy the taste of it, and because I don't know, I'm not into it like enough like that. I'm. If I'm drinking, I'm drinking to relax or I'm trying to party, <laughs> which doesn't happen too often anymore. But, but still, I just, I can't get into And
0: that. I'll never understand these wine enthusiasts. I understand if you like wine, I can't understand how anybody would give $1,000 no. for a bottle of wine no. at any point in time, Mm-mm. let alone 2,000, 3,000, and then, you know, we're right here in bourbon country. We've got that Pappy Van Winkle.
6: Yeah, that stuff's outrageous. Well, it's like, only comes out like so many years, I think. Yeah,
0: it only comes out a certain amount of time, and it's aged, and, you know, I understand it's aged. I understand it might be a little better, but you can't tell me that a bottle of twenty dollar whiskey mm-hmm. is that much different than a damn fifteen hundred dollar bottle of whiskey. I don't
6: know; it would, it would get me drunk the same way, and I'd feel like crap the next day, regardless of how much it costed.
0: So, and these these wine enthusiasts that want to keep swirling the swirling it around and tasting a little bit, and mm-hmm. oh, this one's aerated to a certain. Oh, give me a <laughs> damn break!
6: I know. And, you know, that little chalice inside that box reminds me, I'm Catholic, guys, and so we have the chalice um, at the church, and it reminds me of that. And I just want to say, for all you Catholics out there, I don't drink the wine, because to me, every mouth in that church touches that cup. And all that priest does is takes a little rag, and he just wipes off a little bit, and that's just so gross to me.
0: I'm just putting that out there. It's nasty. It spreads germs. Well, maybe they herbs. should. Maybe they should have some antibacterial hand stuff over it and just put that on the edge of the glass every time. Maybe I don't know. It's weird,
6: but yeah, the the stuff in it, the hair, the the glass, Oof. the octopus stick, whatever the hell that is. I mean, it's just creepy.
0: Totally creepy, but interesting. That would be fun if they used that antibacterial at the church, though. For the, it
6: would help get them a little more
0: drunk. Be like, that tastes good, Father. Was that cucumber melon? <laughs> that's hilarious Kristen it was fun having you on the show again thank you so much and uh, I'm sure there'll be other opportunities when you're available to be able to do this well I live here so yeah Yeah, but you're rarely here oh that's true
6: (laughs) but thank you guys for listening and supporting my mom and my stepdad they love doing this and I hope you guys enjoyed the show
0: joined now by my youngest son, Alex. Uh, you probably remember him when we talked a little bit about Chris Cornell shortly after his death. And oddly enough, um, it's right on the heels when he coming back of Chester Bennington's death. And kind of a coincidence, I guess, that him and, and uh, Cornell were best friends, and then he actually did this on his birthday. I want to take this opportunity real quick to just say if you're having depression, if you're having suicidal thoughts, talk to somebody. It doesn't matter who it is, talk to somebody, call a suicide hotline. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I also realize that some of these things aren't always about um coherent choices. Sometimes you don't even realize that you're in that place, you know, whether it be from drugs or whether it be from alcohol or whether it be, you know, prescribed a medication. That's, uh, you know, they just, you know, everything from smoking, stopping smoking drugs to anything they advertise on TV, talk about, you know, causing suicidal thoughts. So it's very possible that, you know, and Chris Cornell's wife pointed this out, that you can just do this without even realizing, I guess, for the most part, that you're even doing it. But if you're one of those people that suffer from depression and you know it, pick up the phone and call somebody and talk to them and and don't be ashamed. Um, that's, That's all I really want to say on that point before we get too far into it. So, how about that for an intro? How about it? Yep. <laughs> um, with that being said, and this isn't the original story we're going to talk about, but I did want to bring it up. I sent you a link to a story that said, and this is all conspiracy theory stuff. I'm not saying it's true, but I'm not saying it's not true either because I don't know. The story that I sent you said that Chris Cornell had been working on some stuff had been presented some information basically that said there was a lot of people in the music industry that were pedophiles that were doing stuff to kids. And he was putting together some information was eventually going to put it out. And one of them, one of the people that was brought to him by somebody else that he knew uh, the information was brought to him about a gentleman that he was a colleague with or somebody he's worked with and supposedly uh, Chester Bennington, kind of knew some of this information too. And that could be the theory of, of why both of them were quote unquote killed by either the Illuminati or uh, somebody else. But they just felt like that once again, the murder or the uh, suicide happened the exact same way. This actually happened on Chris Cornell's birthday, good friend of Chris Cornell's. Um, It just seems like there's, you know, once again, some odd things surrounding the suicide. Uh, so who knows if, it, if that would be the case, not the case. But what were your thoughts on this when you saw the, that I saw that, that, that Chester was also going to out these people basically, and this was their way of keeping them quiet.
3: It uh, just goes back to the last episode. I think they're looking for connections that aren't there. I think it was pretty Clear cut. if you ever go back and listen to Chester's music, that he was depressed. He didn't care to talk about it in interviews. He always had that battle with depression and drug usage and alcohol usage. And he had a hard last two months, obviously, losing his best friend. And then it comes on his birthday. They found him with a bottle of alcohol and he obviously did not make the best decision. It was probably a hard day for him.
0: Yep, yeah, it well, sounds like it. Um, and like I said, I'm not saying that I necessarily b- agree with that, but, you know, it's just an... I don't know. There's, there's just so many, so many things to try to link it together that I could see how me people could make that put the pieces together. But like you said, not all the time are those pieces meant to be put together. It's just you you see what you want to see sometimes.
3: I agree, though. It, I mean, it was odd that it happened in the same way and to some extent like that. But I think it was a lot less odd than Chris Cornell's.
0: I think what makes it more odd to me than Chris Cornell's. Is the fact that their song that he put out, uh, you know, the the latest song they put out? What's name of the album? Uh, one one last one, one more light, which he dedicated that song to Chris Cornell. One, one song more About light, Suicide. yeah. The one more light song basically is it seems like an anti-suicide song. Yeah, and so I guess to me to, to keep hearing him play that song and then had that be the name of the album, the name of the tour they're getting ready to start, he seems like. Even though I know he's had his struggles, he seems like somebody that had probably come to grips with uh, what suicide could do to people around him when he wrote that song. And like you said, I saw him. He dedicated that song to Chris Cornell. He did it on uh, Jimmy Kimmel's show, and actually, uh, you know, was going to do something different, and decided to do that because of it. So I guess that that kind of makes it a little more less likely. If it had been two years ago, things change in two years, but over the last couple of months. It seemed like that that was something he was putting a focus on telling people not to do.
3: Yeah, but if you if you actually go back and look at that album, you go back and look at it, the songs, One More Light being the, the song that it was, but he also had songs on there called Good Goodbye, and he had songs like Invisible on there, which is all about depression and pain pretty much throughout the entire album. It was the same general theme, and... uh I think that's just really interesting. It probably actually been sitting on his mind for a while. And some people are saying that album was probably his cry for help in some ways. And um, But the other interesting thing about it, if you look at some of the, the other rocker reactions, Nikki Six said that he just talked to him a few days ago. And he said that he see, said he told Nikki
0: 6 he'd never been happier. So uh, a lot of weird things like that. It? I know I saw an interview with him and I don't know how long ago this was, uh, but he was talking about that when he is inside his own head he he made the quote that this was that was a bad neighborhood and he didn't need to be there but when he when he wasn't inside of his own head his life was completely good but when he would get inside of his own head he would let that take completely over and he would make bad decisions and he would think thoughts that he shouldn't think and all that so i guess uh, some people struggle with those demons of just their their own mental addiction of of staying out of your own head you can everybody has a tendency that can overthink things and i guess that's kind of where you get because he said when he was in his own head he just didn't feel good about himself that he was you know a nobody didn't belong here didn't deserve to be on this earth and all this but when he wasn't there and just stayed out of his head he was just felt like that he was you know a, a deserving person so it's kind of sad uh well, it's not kind of it's it's 100 percent sad it's just you know
3: yeah, I, w- I would say he definitely got inside his own head, and that's one of those things. He was he was alone in his house. He had that bottle of alcohol with him. His band member was supposed to come pick him up. His band member didn't show up until after the cops were there. So obviously, he just it had to have just been a bad day. He got inside his own head.
0: Well, let's talk about the story that we were originally going to talk about, but I couldn't I couldn't uh, have you on the show and then not talk about this would have been so close to what we talked about last time. We're going to talk a little bit about Vince Neal and we do a lot of rock and roll and the occult stuff. And, you know, I've, I've heard and I but I couldn't find the information on it. I actually had a couple of people tell me the story, but I couldn't substantiate it. Therefore, I didn't do it. But there were some rumors back when when uh, Motley Crue did Shout at the Devil that originally it was going to be called Shout with the Devil. And they had so many experiences during the recording that it freaked them all out a little bit. And they changed the, t- the title to Shout at the Devil rather than shout with the devil. So I wanted to tell that story, but I couldn't find enough, so we didn't tell it. But I I told that little bit just based on what the original was. But what we're doing is we're switching gears completely. Instead of a rock and roll in the occult, this just basically is a rock star who had some paranormal um, activity. And I thought it would be kind of cool to talk about that without it being something evil or you know something of that nature. So this is the sad story, I think. Uh, Vince Neal... Back in April 1995, he lost a daughter who was only four years old, and he had some experiences relating to her. So that's what we're going to talk about. Skylar Neal was born March 26, 1991, in L.A. In April of 1995, she started having flu-like symptoms, really intense pain. They rushed her to the hospital. They thought it was uh, her appendix. She had to have an emergency surgery. They found a tumor Behind her stomach, the size of a softball. Unfortunately, this tumor had also uh, uh, um, what do you call it ruptured, and they when they were in the process of, of looking into it, they found all these other tumors. So they had to start the, the painful process of doing chemo and uh, four or five operations. Now keep in mind, this was April when they find this out. Unfortunately, August fifteenth, Vince Neal got a call. He was he was in uh, uh, one of his other homes, but he gets a call from his wife saying that he needed to get there ASAP because he, the wife said she didn't think that the daughter was going to make it. He gets there, uh, obviously goes to the hospital and everything, and and she passes, unfortunately, four years old. And Vince took it hard. He started, you know, over-medicating himself. He was drinking a lot. He was taking a lot of drugs. He basically said that he just didn't even want to be alive anymore. And uh that's kind of when things started to happen. Now, by... He, by this time, he had a house in Las Vegas also. And one night, Vince was sleeping. He said he felt a tug on his blanket down there by his foot. He looked up, and it was his, his daughter. And he said he just couldn't believe it was her. And he got up, and they played, and they colored, and and, you know, just did everything that they would normally do. And she said... You know, looked at him, and she said, bye, Dad," and and left. And the next morning, he said he felt completely drained. He had zero energy at all. He pretty much spent the whole day in his bedroom. He didn't take any kind of pills, didn't have any kind of alcohol, because he was scared to death that he would miss her if she came back. So he wanted to be completely of sound mind and and alert. So that's what he did. Well, that night, he said she did come back. He said they made paper mache flowers, and said so she had this cute little dress on, and he was pinning the flowers and stuff onto her dress. Um, she'd done this apparently a bunch of times. She kept coming back. This was like a, a regular occurrence. But he said then one night when they were done playing, she just looked at him and said, Daddy, I can't come back anymore. And he asked her why, and she said she had school, and she could come back when school was done. And he said it was really sad, but he understood. He understood for whatever reason, that she couldn't come back. And um, at that point in time, he moved out of the house, and then he had never been back. And he went back for a show um, that, that they I can't remember what channel it was, but Lifetime maybe? Yeah, it was Lifetime. Yeah, Lifetime. Lifetime was doing these shows, Celebrity Ghost Stories, and they were doing uh, uh, The Haunting of, where they would go back to people that was on Celebrity Ghost Stories, and uh, I can't remember the psychic's name. I think her name's Russo. Yeah, Kim Russo. Kim Russo. They would go back with the psychic and revisit these places. So he went back in there, and this was 2000 and – I want to say 2012 when his original story aired, and I think they went back in 2014 or 15. 14. Yeah, so 2014, they go back, and that was the first time that he had been to that house since, like, 95. So that's kind of sad that he had that situation, but that was was more or less what he got out of it. Now – What they also started finding out when they started talking to him is that Vince had been surrounded by paranormal events from the time he was a little kid. So he had uh, a spirit that attached to him from his childhood home. And when he was about eight or nine years old, he said there was a man who lived in his closet. And and by man, it was some type of a spirit, obviously. But he said every night that this spirit would like come to the closet door and it would like lean out a little bit like he was going to come out. But then he'd go right back in. But it was enough to freak him out. And he was uh, having one at night. He was laying like kind of, his, his head was down, but he was kind of facing the wall. You know, if you've got a bed that's up against the wall, he was facing the wall rather than the closet. And he said he could feel something like a hand put on his head, and it just really freaked him out. So they get this psychic involved to try to find out what was going on. And she says that it was a a gentleman by the name of William. That's what she was picking up. And she asked if there were train tracks uh, close to his home. And he's like, yeah, there was train tracks pretty close. And she says, you know, I'm finding it as somebody that um, was basically a a really bad man that feels like he's got unfinished business. And he had, you know, he had some kind of control over his own life as far as that his death was somehow in his hands. And she felt like he was hit by a train. Well, when they went and did some research, now they asked Vince, you know, cause this was in the seventies, they asked if he looked like he was somebody from that time. And she said, or he said that he looked like he was dressed from the fifties, even though this was the seventies. And when she started doing the research, apparently in the fifties, there was a uh, accident on the train tracks to where a car was hit. The man killed by the train's name was William, which was exactly what she said. And he was running from the cops. After some kind of a robbing a place or something, I can't remember what it was, but it was a high speed chase and, and the cops were chasing him and he actually got hit by a train during this high speed chase. And she felt like that that lined up exactly with what he was saying and what she was saying as to who this person was. So that's basically it for the Vince Neal story. How fun was that? Uh, what's your thoughts on any of that? Do you First of all, do you believe in psychics? Do you believe that a psychic or a medium could go to a house and pick up on that kind of stuff? It's hard to say, I guess, because some of that, I mean, if you can find
3: it out through the internet, how hard would it have been for them to have scheduled an appointment, researched stuff online, and then came out and said something like that?
0: That I understand. That part I do understand. But do you believe, I guess, that there are actually true mediums out there that, that do know stuff that wouldn't be on the internet? Like, if you was to ask come and ask somebody about one of your relatives that you knew that they wouldn't have any way of knowing or they couldn't find online. But do you, would you believe there's people out there that can do that?
3: I'd like to believe there are people out there who can do that. I'd have to meet one first who could prove it to me.
0: Have you ever heard about uh, Edgar Casey? No. Edgar Casey. We're going to do that. I can't say that, we're going to do a show on him, but I can't say when, cause it's a surprise, but we're going to do a show on him. Edgar Casey is actually from Kentucky. He's the most documented medium ever. This was, you know, back in, eh, starts early 1900s, goes all the way up to 40s, 50s. Um, but this guy did stuff that was, you know, no pre-internet, pre-any of this stuff. But he he just knew stuff about people that uh, people couldn't know. And uh, so, I mean, I, I definitely think there are definitely mediums out there. Uh, there's people, it's, it's documented. There are several mediums that actually help out the police department and give them details so much to the point that sometimes they're considered suspects because they know so much about the case that hasn't been released. So I definitely think that uh, there's people out there. And I know we've got some listeners out there that are actually mediums and we got some few extra largest and two <laughs> XLs too, but that's not the case. Um, Alex, I thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you coming back on again. And uh, I know it's been a rough week for you. I can tell by how long your hair's grown. Apparently you haven't shaven or anything, so I'm just assuming it was a rough week for you. I'm in mourning.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> for Chad. Chester. I can't know why I keep calling him Chad. I guess I get I keep hoping it's Chad Kroger instead of <laughs> Chester Bennington, but um But yeah, okay, man, I appreciate it. And like I said, it's uh we'll have you on sometime in the future when we do some more rock and roll stuff, unless you just get tired of doing that and you want to do something else. So I'll do it all. I'm glad to hear that. I won't do any research, but I'll do it all. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm used to th- so the other person on that end, microphone, not doing any research. So, All right. Well, I'll talk to you later, and thanks for being on. Thank you. All right. We are joined by my oldest son, Austin. Austin, say hi to everybody. What's up? I said say hi, now. what's up. Hi. Okay. you think at his age he would know how to take direction, but obviously. <laughs> uh, so what we're going to do, we talked a little bit about this beforehand and on some things that we might – topic-wise, too, and we decided that we were going to do some cursed movie sets. In the past, we've done uh, The Exorcist. When we talked about The Exorcist, we talked about some stuff that happened on the set, and then... um, That was a (laughs) head-turner. Nice. (laughs) So then, we also did one on uh, the Poltergeist uh, phenomenon that happened on that set, so I thought it'd be kind of cool, maybe just do a segment of, of other cursed movies. Uh, he threw a couple my way that I was unaware of, so we did some research on them, and the first one was Passions of the Christ. Now, I think what you got out of this most was looking at my notes that I misspelled Jim Cavizel.
7: Yeah, it's Caviezel with a C, oh.
0: not a K. I'm sure that does not come across over the microphone that I wrote it with a K and not a C.
7: I think they can hear the difference. It's still Caviezel.
0: Regardless, so let's talk about the Passions of the Christ. It's passion, right? Or is it Passions passions the soap opera no <laughs> i don't i don't think the soap opera had anything to do with jesus but you know who knows a lot of backstabbing going on kind yeah. of remainder of judas and stuff but um uh, so passion i think it's just passion of the christ which is the mel gibson movie one of the things that happened in it was jim caviezel the star of the movie he had all kinds of stuff happen to him all kinds of stuff first of all he was struck by lightning that's shocking <laughs> nice. The assistant director, um, I think his name was Jan Mich- Michelini. I'm sure, did I spell that right? I have no idea. Okay. He was struck by lightning twice. So, I mean, what's the odds of two different people getting stuck, struck a total of three times by lightning during the filming of this movie? You'd think they started hiping up ground wires themselves. <laughs> or something of that nature. Then you've got um, Jim Kaviesel. When he was doing the uh some of the whipping scenes, which were fake scenes, he actually got got some real lacerations and stuff so that's that's something that shouldn't have happened. He dislocated the shoulder carrying the cross, which I don't, that's really not a that could happen that the cross looked heavy hell have a cross to bear apparently <laughs> then he had hypothermia, which is really odd considering that um this was like shot in like desert type scenes or but i guess hypothermia in the desert i guess at nighttime it gets really cold so maybe i don't know if they were filming at night but he got hypothermia he got a lung infection and he got pneumonia he also got a really bad skin infection from the makeup that they put on him for um during the whipping scene to look like all of his wounds and everything if i a little set of plagues yeah i mean a couple of frogs and locusts away from <laughs> being some real biblical shit i think <laughs> So that was what happened in that movie. What have you heard anything other than what I mentioned? No. Just uh I think it took like five
7: weeks or something to film the crucifixion scenes because they just kept having problems out of it. Like he was literally on the edge of a cliff and they had him strung up to this cross, which was cemented into the ground. But like the wind every time they get him up there the wind would start blowing, he was swaying back and forth over top of the over top of the cliff. And the thing was Mel Gibson wouldn't use it because he said it was taking focus off of Jesus and putting them more on the fact that the cross was swaying back and forth. <laughs> so he had to keep enduring this. So
0: I'm wondering that at the end of it when they actually got the scene if if Mel Gibson yelled out nailed it! <laughs> <laughs> yes. That was probably pretty bad. Sure, we'll get some nasty emails on that. Anyways, so um, that brings us to the second movie. I decided the second movie we were going to do would be The Crow. Never seen it. What? Never seen it. Well, it's unimportant for this. So, <laughs> the... One of the first things that happened, the very first day of filming, one of the crew members when in the crane that he was using drove right into a power line and got burns over 90% of his body.
7: I thought we were talking about crows. Now you're talking about cranes.
0: <laughs> I think it's a different crane. Oh. Okay. So that's what happened there. We had the second thing that happened, a construction worker. This is really some weird stuff that happened on this. So a construction worker drove a screwdriver completely through his hand. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you drive a stru- screwdriver through your hand, but regardless. Usually a with a hammer. Yeah, but that would, well, anyways, <laughs> I guess you would think a professional construction worker would kind of know what they're doing. Um, a a set sculptor drove his car through the prop room, destroying almost all the props that they had for the, for the complete setup. And this was a very low budget movie, so... It wasn't. They didn't have a lot of money to work with to begin with. The the a storm destroyed the entire set at one point, and then more importantly, the biggest thing that happened was Brandon Lee was actually killed on the set. Have you heard how he was killed on the set? No. Okay. Now there's different uh, takes on how this happened. Some people say it's just them being cheap. Uh, some people say that it's just uh, an accident. But what happens in in a movie scene? When you're using guns as a prop, a lot of times they'll have blanks in them, but the blanks are just made to make noise, no projectiles. And they had an expert on the set, but when they, they released him a couple of days before this to save money, so what they did was the people who were on the set, just regular prop people, they took the bullets, they took everything out, and supposedly they were good to go, but it was still had projectiles still in it. So in the scene where they actually shot him, it wasn't a real bullet, but something flew out of the gun and hit him in the stomach and it killed him. Now, what's odd about that is Bruce Lee, his dad, who obviously died a strange death of its own. That could be a whole show of its own on how he really died. Bruce he, Lee? Like the Bruce Lee? The Bruce Lee. That was Brandon Lee's dad.
7: Really? I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: And the Bruce Lee, he died while making a movie. I called, guess he wasn't faster than the bullet. Yeah, <laughs> well, not Brandon. Oh. But Bruce Lee died from something. Bruce Lee died from a mysterious illness that it was like, I don't know, it was like a stomach illness or something. But a lot of people think that the Chinese syndicate had him killed because he was making all these movies over in America. And he was teaching Americans, you know, a Chinese form of martial arts that they didn't agree with being let outside of their own uh, nationality. And he wasn't making movies for them. He was coming over to America to make more movies. So a lot of people think that he was set up and killed by them. But in the movie that he was killed during, and not he didn't get, get killed on the set, though. But while he was filming The Game of Death, um, part of that movie, there was a scene where somebody was got shot that was supposed to be a, a prop gun, and it actually shot and killed them in the movie. And that's actually what happened to his real son, Brandon Lee. What that? All right, let's move on to the next one. The next one is probably, I think, my favorite of all of them. And that's The Omen. Now, we're talking about the original one in 1976, not the one that was uh, remade here a few years back. So the first thing that happened was... Uh, have you ever seen the original Omen? Yeah. You've seen the original? Yeah, you've showed it to me like a thousand times. It pretty much ruined my childhood. Okay. Well, I don't think I'll take blame for that, but um, I'm sure you could point to a thousand other things I did that ruined your childhood. Um, the very first thing that happened was an animal hand. There's a famous scene in that one to where the they're riding through like this animal park and these baboons start attacking the car. Well, the, the animal handler who handled that particular scene was actually killed one day after he shot that scene by a tiger.
7: That's bananas.
0: It's <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, the special effects director's girlfriend was actually killed in a car accident they were driving they were both in the car he had an accident and she was beheaded i thought she was cut in half could be either way i heard beheaded she could well, be cut then they half. get beheaded in the movie and well how it happened, it was yeah i like, think in the movie either way it was very similar to what happened in the movie because yeah. in the set of the movie there was a piece of plate glass that that cut somebody either behead them or cut him in half. And his girlfriend was killed eerily the same way. And there was a sign that said no. that it was, just a, ruined that, everything. that was incredible. <laughs> that was an omen. Uh, but there was, a, there was a sign that actually um, right before, right where she got killed at, it said omen O M M E N six, six K. There was a sign that close to to that accident. So, that's kind of weird in its own right. And then it happened on Friday the 13th, on top of that. It's a different movie entirely. That is a different movie, and I don't have anything from there. Um, Gregory Peck, the star of the movie, the script writer, and an executive producer all had planes hit by lightning on the way to the set, which is rare enough in its own right, and they were all in different planes. Right. Didn't his brother also die? His uh, son committed suicide. was his son. Yeah. His son committed suicide. Uh, during the filming or right before the filming started like a week and a half two weeks before the filming the executive producer he actually was staying in a hotel and the hotel was bombed and then the the, the restaurant was bombed two separate occurrences but the restaurant that was bombed all the crew was supposed to be meeting there and it didn't happen for whatever reason but they were all supposed to be meeting there for some kind of uh lunch or, or meeting or something that involved the script but for some reason that didn't happen but it was bombed. Uh, the other thing was there was a plane that they decided that they wanted to have a private plane because of these other little occurrences happening with the commercial stuff. This plane apparently crash-landed and it hit a it landed on like a freeway or something and it hit a car. That car spun out of control and hit another car. Everybody involved was key. so needless to say that's kind of a uh, if you're going to say there's a cursed movie set, that's got to be right up there near the near the top of them. Um, did you, have you heard anything other than the ones that I mentioned? Well, I heard that during the Rottweiler scene, when they were filming that, you know, the dogs
7: were trained to attack a padded stuntman, but once they started going, like, they just never stopped. They kept biting him and kept going through until they bit through the padding and they had to be pulled off of him and had to be hospitalized
0: over it. Oh, wow. Wow, that's a bitch. <laughs> All right, let's get to the last movie, The Matrix. Now, a lot of people will find it strange to have The Matrix on here. But it's more of a um, what happened to people going on in it. Because Keanu Reeves, I think, is the main reason. He's just, like, cursed in his own right. Well, he's like a mortal. Yeah. That man never ages. He never ages, but he sure he sure is bad luck to everybody around him. <laughs> like, he had a situation where uh, his girlfriend, during during the time that they were filming, she had, had a baby and it was stillborn. So that was the first thing. They lost a baby during the filming. This caused all kinds of problems between them, him and her and their relationship. Um, Then shortly after, she was actually involved in a car crash and died. So he lost his girlfriend and he lost his baby all during the filming of The Matrix. Then you had uh, Aaliyah, who was in the movie. She died in a plane crash uh, when she was out doing some uh, volunteer work in a foreign country. Gloria Foster, she actually died during the making of the movie. And there were so many delays that Keanu Reeves had to forfeit twenty four million dollars of his own salary to try to help keep the thing on budget. Which he was supposed to get like thirty six million, so he still got like eleven, twelve million out of it. But it's not exactly like that was horrible money. But yeah, it just seemed like there was problem after problem after problem. So aside from all his personal tragedies and two other people getting killed while they were on there and him all these different, you know, delays, that's that was kind of why I made the list of the cursed movies. Um, what would bring that movie to be cursed? It's not about. I told you, I think it's Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I think that man's got all kinds of problems. You you go back and just look at everything else besides those things. He's had all kinds of other stuff happen to him too. So he's. I think it's him. He's cursed.
7: Maybe need to do a show on Keanu Reeves. Maybe, Maybe so. he is involved with the cult. Very likely. That would make, make sense. His long life.
0: Now, a couple movies that we thought about doing and didn't. Um, I know you said the, the remake of Amityville Horror, there was some stuff that went on.
7: Yeah. Right before filming, a deceased fisherman washed up on shore, like the day before filming was supposed to start. And also, Ryan Reynolds reported waking up at like 3.15 in the morning, every morning, which is the time that the DeFeo killings were supposed to estimate, you know, take place. I
0: heard that a bunch of the cast members had that same problem. Like they Like there were several of them that reportedly waking up at like 3.15. But yeah, there's a bunch of movies we could have done. Rosemary's Baby was one that um, thought about doing a bunch of stuff to go on there. But, you know, we'll eventually do some more of these. Somewhere down the line we'll throw throw them in. But yeah, there's there's a bunch of different movies that have curses on them as far as these types of things. But yeah, The Matrix is the one that kind of I thought it was unlike most of the other ones, like horror movies and stuff like it's that. It's just odd. It has nothing yeah. occult to do with it. But you'd be surprised how many movies out there. Twilight Zone is another one. Um, the new Twilight Zone, I don't know if you know this or not, Victor Morrill and two Vietnamese children were killed during the filming. And there was, um, John Landis actually did, because the, the original Twilight Zone, was cool and what happened when the when the movie came out, they had Steven Spielberg, John Landis, and a couple other big directors, and they were all like directing the story. Each one directed the story for the movie. So it was kind of cool. It's the first big collaboration I've ever seen where you got all these big people just to come in and do the, the one movie like that. But John Landis actually faced charges in this. It's the first time there's ever been a death on a set to where you had charges. And it was because First of all, these little uh, Vietnamese kids he was using, they were using—they were—they were paying them under the table, so they weren't part of the guild and all that stuff that they're supposed to be to, you know, come in. They were doing it so they could beat them cheaper. So it came to light as soon as this happens. Well, that's but, a shocker.
7: Asian slave labor, <laughs> child
0: but, labor. <laughs> but I mean, really, it, it does play right into the stereotype. But what <laughs> happened in this, and this is where it gets kind of kind of strange, is. Vic Morrow, he's playing uh, the episode he's in. It's where he's a really big racist. He he's sitting in a bar. That's how it starts. off. He's sitting in a bar and he's talking about he doesn't like black people and he don't like Asians and he don't like this. And uh, <laughs> so he's so he's sitting there and he's in this bar and all of a sudden he goes back in time and next thing you know he's he's putting all these situations. The the KKK is chasing him. And then he's in the Vietnam and and the Americans are hunting him down and everything like that. So he all of a sudden has to go back and relive all these different things. Well, in the scene to where uh, he's in Vietnam, he grabs these two little kids. There's a helicopter over top of him and um, he's running through the the water. And there's actually a YouTube video of all this stuff. So you can actually see the accident, but he's running through the water. He drops one of the little kids because there's an explosion, which it was meant to do. The plane or the helicopter was too close to the explosion, and when the explosion went off, it messed with the rudder of the, of the helicopter, which caused it to spin out of control and land on top of him, and it decapitated him and the two kids.
7: That's well, just free special effects. Well,
0: <laughs> the families didn't see it that way. Um, but what's weird about that is, like, shortly before that, a couple months before, or a year before that, Um, Victor Morrill, the guy that was killed, he actually took out a life insurance policy on himself, which he hadn't had before. And then he said that he had had a a month or so before the accident. He said he actually had a dream that he was killed in a helicopter accident, which is why he had taken out the insurance policy. So then he turns around and he was actually killed in a freak accident with a helicopter and then the, uh, the other thing that was weird about it is he had said something about act before the scene started it was he should have got a stunt double for this set instead of doing it himself. So yeah, it was kind of a, he would rather the stunt double died instead of him. Well, he didn't know at the time. Maybe he deserved to die. So, maybe so. He's just hateful. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that, that was kind of the whole thing on that is, oh. is everything about that. But yeah, so John Landis ended up facing charges for, you know, and then supposedly, um, the people were telling him that these explosions were too close to the helicopter. And he was like, "Ah, don't don't worry about it. It'd be fine. It'd be fine. I'm fine. So it's basically John Landis's fault that them people lost their lives. And I think he got six months probation or something. all I got,
7: you'll be hearing from John Landis's lawyer.
0: I'm sure. will. it's only been 20 20 some years ago, so I think he'll be okay. (laughs) All right. That's uh this episode. Austin, I appreciate you being on. No problem. And uh, so, yeah, it was a fun segment. So we'll continue on, and maybe we'll have you on in the future. Sweet. Okay, we are joined for this segment with uh, my daughter, Amber. She is the uh, middle of the children. Say hello, Amber. Hi. Well, that was full of enthusiasm. (laughs) So... We thought uh, Amber gets scared to death out of pretty much anything, and she can't watch horror movies, so I thought, what better story to do with her than Annabelle, the true life story of the doll, and a lot of people don't realize that there is a true story behind Annabelle, and she is actually kept in the in the uh, Warren's Museum in a glass case uh, because of all the troubles and the antics she used to get into, so we thought we'd tell you a little bit about what really happened to the real Annabelle. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Are you sure?
2: No. Let's
0: <laughs> go. Okay, so the first of all, if you've seen the movie Annabelle, it was this kind of a creepy looking doll. Uh, the real Annabelle is nothing like that. The real Annabelle is just your average Raggedy Ann doll. Same ones you've seen in stores for years. It was bought by a mom who uh, she found it at a hobby store in 1970. It was used. And she thought, hey, it'd be pretty cool to give this to her daughter who was in college. So that's what she did with it. She gives it to her daughter whose name was Donna. And she was living with her roommate named Angie. Um, I'm not sure exactly where this took place at because I didn't do that much research on it. But as it was, it was just a doll when they first got it. Or at least that's the way it was perceived. Over time, things would happen like the doll would start to move. Now, when I say move, it was like little things. Like the head or the, the arm would be on its chest and then the arm was laying beside. Or it was... A little bit tilted from where it used to be. Things that just could happen from, you know, settling of whatever, wind blows something. I don't know. However, a doll would barely move. So So it's a Furby. Pretty much. (laughs) So what would happen is this thing would move like that so they wouldn't think anything of it. But then over the next week, weird stuff started happening. Like they would put it on the bed and it would end up, they'd leave and come home, it would end up on the couch. You can see how that could be a problem Mm -hmm. when there's nobody in the house. They had a friend named Lou who absolutely hated this doll. He just felt like that there was something evil with the doll, and he didn't want to have anything to do with it. Of course, the girls, they didn't believe in any of that shit. They were modern-day, we don't believe in any kind of uh, curses or possession or anything like that, Ghost, nothing. They just felt like that anything that happened to this point could just be explained. Well, they eventually came around because they started finding these little Pieces of parchment paper laying around the house. You know what parchment paper is? It's like uh, you know, like the old wanted signs you would see there, or the um, the ones like the scrolls that you oh, roll okay. out the like the kind of Manila-looking paper. Yes, that that type of paper. They would find these around the house, and they would have little notes written on them. One of them would say, "Help us." Sometimes it would say, "Help Lou." But the weirdest thing about this is nobody in that apartment had parchment paper. So not only were the notes weird, but they were on paper that nobody in the house had. So where the hell did these notes come from? So what eventually ended up happening is one night, Donna came home. Annabelle was in her bed with bloody hands, or at least something that looked like blood. Oh, wow. Are you following me?
2: Yeah, and I'm not sleeping tonight.
0: <laughs> so this, this doll's got bloody hands, and... But the blood seemed like it was coming from the doll itself, like from inside the doll. Not that it was something that got on its hand. What do you think you would do in that situation?
2: I think, I don't, oh my God, I don't even know. (laughs) I'd be out of there.
0: It's like having Tracy here. Um, (laughs) So what Donna decided to do was she called a medium. And the medium said that long before the apartment complex was built, uh, it was, you know, the property where this complex is was just an empty field. And seven-year-old Annabelle Higgins had been found in the field, and her spirit was still remaining. And when they brought the doll into the house, she basically latched onto the doll. And she thought that the girls were trustworthy, and she wanted to stay with them. Which is how the doll got its name Annabelle, because this medium told her that this was the spirit of a little girl named Annabelle Higgins. Do you think that you would be keeping the doll at that point? I think the
2: biggest issue or concern is that they thought the girls were trustworthy. <laughs> Since when are women ever trustworthy <laughs> to each other at least?
0: Oh, there you go. Um, well, what ended up, and that actually is going to be kind of foreboding as we find out later on, but the girls decided to keep it as Amber knocks the table over. The girls decided to keep the doll and you know, they they figured because they were both nursing students that they were kind of nurturing type people. And that would make sense that Annabelle would want to stay with them. So it was kind of cute, I guess, having a seven-year-old spirit hanging around the house, you know. Which, sure,
2: cute.
0: <laughs> I mean, it is kind of like, when you think about it, it is kind of like having a kid that you really don't have to worry about feeding and stuff like that. So you get the positives. And I tried that with a cat one time. And if you don't feed them, they, well, well, you know what happens if you don't feed them. Anyway, so um Lou, who I already told you didn't like this doll, he starts having these messed up dreams, okay? He's dreaming that Annabelle's in his bed, she climbs up his leg, and then she kind of, you know, now keep in mind, as she's climbing up his leg, he's frozen. It's almost like sleep paralysis or something. He's awake, but he can't move.
2: Oh, that's the worst.
0: Yeah. So this doll is climbing up his leg, she climbs up to his chest, and then she starts choking him with her little stuffed mitts, or whatever they
2: are. <laughs> like Chucky. <Jackie>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But she starts choking him, and he eventually would wake up terrified. I mean, his head would be pounding like somebody had cut the blood off of of his, you know, head. And so, obviously, he's worried about the girls. Now, he actually had a situation to where he did wake up at one point. He spent the night at their house, and he was on their couch. And he did wake up at one point, and Annabelle was on him, and he grabbed her and threw it across the room. So even though he had dreamt this before, it actually happened in true life. Now, a few days later, Lou and uh, Angie were actually hanging out. They were talking about going on a road trip or something. They heard something moving around in Donna's room. Well, Obviously, they didn't know there was anybody else in the house. So they thought, well, I guess maybe this is there's an intruder or something like that. Lou goes to check it out. He goes in the room, he looks in, he doesn't see anybody. He goes in, checks it out a little more. Annabelle, who's not on the bed anymore, who was on the bed before, she's not on the bed, she's sitting on the floor. And as he's walking over towards her, he starts feeling like somebody's watching him. You know that feeling you get that somebody's watching, you get a little pain in the back of your neck, like it's burning a little bit. He turns around, there's nobody there. He turns back around and starts heading back over towards Annabelle, And he feels this real bad burning sensation on his chest. He looks down in his shirt and he's got these like claw marks on his chest. And the thing about these claw marks is they healed almost immediately. Like they started getting better and within like a couple of days they were completely gone. Even though they were like really deep claw marks. So that told them that, you know, there's there's more going on here than what they can actually do. So they wanted help. And uh they called an Episcopalian priest who then called Ed and Lorraine Warren. You know who they are? No. They are the people that helped out with the Amityville Horror. They're the people who have the museum that has all these haunted objects such as Annabelle. Okay. They're the ones who went and investigated the conjuring and the conjuring too. So that's this is kind of
1: It's a big uh,
0: deal. Yeah. For for they were famous um I guess you could say psychics, parapsychologists back in the 70s. So whenever these major, uh, and demonologists, so every time there was these major deals, they were the most famous people to get called in for these situations. So the Warrens came and checked it out, and uh, they said that this was not a ghost. That the other girl, I guess, was full of crap. uh, The medium. there was not a ghost. It was an inhuman spirit. Um, It was a demon, basically. And a demon's They don't possess objects. Demons possess people. So it was using the doll to basically uh, manipulate the doll to make the doll seem like it was doing stuff to make the people think it was a haunting. But in reality, it was a demon that was after Donna. That was the whole purpose of them acting like it. They They wanted them to think, oh, cute, cute little girl. Let me keep it. When in reality, that's that's what they wanted to have happen so it could attach itself to Donna's. Um, the thing about this that was really unnerving is that a priest performed an exorcism on the apartment. The Warrens took the doll, okay? They decided, so they weren't going to keep it there, but they wanted to do an exorcism on the apartment to make sure if there was anything left, it was gone. But the Warrens said they would take the doll. So they put the doll in a bag and they began their long drive home. They didn't take the expressway because... Um, they felt like that this dog could probably do something while they were driving and going 65 miles an hour was probably not the best thing to be doing with a crazy demon possessed doll in the backseat.
2: So they probably took horrible, scary back roads and something <laughs> else horrible, I'm sure happened.
0: <laughs> well, they did take back roads, oddly enough. And, uh, they had problems with the brakes. They had problems with the engine trying to cut in and out as they were driving could just be an o2 sensor that's just me but that you know i don't necessarily know that for a fact um (laughs) they also had the power steering cut in and out which that makes sense because if your engine goes off so there's a power steering so if their engine cut out those two would be connected i'm not the person to ask about cars (laughs) (laughs) neither am i but i know that much so anyway ed pulled the car over ed warren and he um Took some holy water, sprinkled it on the on the doll inside the bag, and it kind of stopped for them. They get back to uh, where they're going, and Ed kind of kept the doll by his desk. And the doll would levitate, completely come off the ground. And that happened for a few times, and nothing really else major happened the first couple of days. But then within a few weeks, it was right back to its old tricks. They would have it in one room. They would come back. It would be in a different room. Then they decided to call a priest to exercise the doll. Uh, I just take it to Planet Fitness. Probably a different exercise. So anyway, they they bring this priest in. He's gonna exercise the doll and he more or less is making a mockery out of it. He's like, oh you're just a doll. You can't hurt anybody which the Warrens were like, dude, that's not what we called you in for. That's kind of, you know, patronizing the whole situation. Right. And uh but it was okay, you know, because he's you know, he knew it all apparently he gets in his car, brand new car, by the way. On his way home, he totals his car. He calls the Warrens after the fact and apologizes and says that, you know, his, it's like something just took the wheel from him and made him crash.
2: I don't understand the willingness of all of these people taking this <laughs> doll.
0: <laughs> well, the Warrens at that point, they had a special case built. A glass, glass case, wooden wood glass case, and then they put Annabelle in it. And Annabelle supposedly has not been out of the case since. Well, I say that, but a couple of years ago, after uh, the Warrens passed away, the Annabelle was actually put into a different case and moved somewhere else. So um, that the transporting is actually of the doll is actually on YouTube. You can actually see when the guy who bought it. Um, so I don't know a lot of details about that part of it, but that's actually what happened. From uh, the true case of Annabelle, so the movie and there's Annabelle too is getting ready to come out at the theaters. If it, it might already be out, but it's coming out within the next couple of days, if not. But um, there you go. That's the true story of Annabelle. That's what was in, inspired the movies. Um, sounds a lot similar to some of the stuff that went on with Robert the Doll.
2: Yeah, Robert the Doll was one of my favorite shows from this podcast.
0: Good, and of course, what do you know? What movie was inspired by Robert the Doll? No, Chucky. Chucky was inspired by Robert at So there we go. Um, Amber, thank you for being a guest on the show.
2: Yay. You thanks con- for inviting me. You
0: contributed very little. Oh. um, <laughs> it's funny for somebody who talks nonstop. You had nothing to say.
2: He's not very kind to me. <laughs> he mocks me a lot. So I'm afraid to talk.
0: Yeah, whatever.
2: <laughs> Anyways.
0: <laughs> um, thanks so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. And, uh, We'll have you back soon. Maybe you can actually um, study the story or something and know what's going on. We'll see. We'll see.
2: Don't push your luck. <laughs> All
0: right. Thanks. All right, everybody. Welcome back. And we are joined by Tracy's uh, son, Josh. How's it going, Josh? It's going great. How are you, Jerry? I have no complaints. Josh didn't feel that it was important enough to drive the two hours uh, to do this in person, so we're going to do his over the phone. <laughs> now, Josh, we do thank you for being on. Uh, this is, like I said, it's kind of a cool thing to be able to have – uh, all of our kids together on one show, and uh, I appreciate you taking time, Bill. Do it. I know you got a busy schedule.
5: Hey, no problem. I just kind of feel bad for you because you're not enjoying Vegas with mom right now.
0: Well, I don't know that I would be enjoying Vegas anyway. I'm not a gambler, so Vegas doesn't mean anything. I've been there twice, and uh, ho hum. I guess you know everybody's got what they like, but that's just not gambling is not my thing, and it's just a big waste of time and money for me. But hey, as long as she's happy blowing money, I'm okay with that. I guess. <laughs>
5: That's right. Happy life, happy life, right? That's right.
0: So, Josh, I I, I kind of uh, sent you some info on this. I know you've been reading up a little bit. We are going to do the story of Gloria Ramirez, which most people refer to as the toxic lady. What did you right. think about the story in general? Was you kind of surprised at some of the stuff that happened, or well, um, I think any
5: time that you have a lady that uh, comes in and smells like pretty garlic and makes people pass out after being within two feet of her is a little strange. <laughs>
0: I do know some um, women like that. It's usually not the fruity garlic, but it's uh same effect. End result's the same. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk let's talk about a little bit of what happened. This happened in nineteen ninety four in Riverside, California. Nice place. <laughs> it does it does sound like it. I would think there's a lot of uh more like Oceanside in California rather than riverside, but who am I? This happened at Riverside General Hospital, eight fifteen at night on February nineteenth. Now what happened was this, this lady by the name of Gloria Ramirez, she had advanced cervical cancer, and she was brought in by paramedics to the hospital. She was confused, right. disoriented. Uh, her heartbeat was way too fast. So the st- staff decided to give her three different uh, sedatives. And after she was not responding, they used the defibrillator, difrib- which is, you know, the heart shock. Right. This is where it starts getting strange yet because people, uh, the, or I say people, but it's it's the people in the ER as far as the doctors and the nurses, they notice that she's got this oily sheen all over her body and a fruity garlic odor that you alluded to that seemed to be coming from her mouth that is a bit strange wouldn't you admit uh, if i smelled that on a date i'd probably run well i would i would hope so i would hope so <laughs> uh, now the registered nurse susan kane she attempted to draw blood and she noticed that there was an ammonia smell coming from the tube so she turns around and gives the syringe to a resident by the, by the name of Julie Korchinski, who noticed that there was some white particles floating in the blood that, that they had drawn in the tube. So already we got all kinds of weird stuff going on here between the smells and the particles. Katie fainted and she had to be removed from the operating room or the uh, emergency room. Then Korchinski got real nauseous and lightheaded. She left and sat out at the nurse's desk. And then members of the staff asked her if she was okay, but before, but before, She could even answer the member who asked her. She passed out. So now we've got people passing out. The third person to pass out was a lady by the name of Maureen Welch. She was a respiratory therapist, and she was in the trauma room. So now we've got people in the trauma room passing out and people outside the trauma room out by the nurse's station passing out all from this patient. At this point, the staff decided to evacuate the ER. They took, moved all the patients to the parking lot. Then they left a the skeleton crew behind to kind of work on Ramirez. Tell me this.
5: Would it,
0: wouldn't you think it'd be a little easier to take Ramirez out of the parking lot and let everybody else go on about their business? That's the same thing I'm thinking. If you got one lady who <laughs> seems to be on her deathbed anyway, why don't you just move her out in the parking lot instead of jeopardizing everybody else? It makes no sense. It makes no
5: sense to me,
0: I don't run a hospital, so I guess it's not my area of expertise. With that being said, 23 of the 34 hospital staff became sick. Five of them were hospitalized. At 8.50, Gloria Ramirez was pronounced dead from kidney failure. And it was related to her cancer is what they basically said. It really, you know, had nothing to do with the smells or anything that was going on. Her organs were shutting down because of uh, kidney failure due to the cancer. Obviously, there's still a lot of questions to be answered. So the uh, the county health department called in the Department of, of Health and Human Services. Now, two scientists on that group, Dr. Anna Maria Asorio and Kirsten Waller, interviewed 34 people from the staff. Most of them had the same things in common. A lot of them were, were women. The majority of people that had the, the issues with the fainting and the nauseous and stuff were women. But because of the fact that there were so many of them that had things in common, they kind of chalked us up to mass hysteria. So they're just saying right. one person had it, so then the other person got it just like a, um, a situation where, like the Salem witch trials, to where a couple people started claiming stuff, so everybody else jumped on the bandwagon. Can you see that being okay. anywhere viable that... All these people get sick, and and it would just mainly be in their in their mind. And I mean, does that make any sense at all to you?
5: Well, if it was one or two people that just had panic attacks, or you know, started you know just fainted from the sheer you know situation that they were in, maybe. But if for twenty three people, I, I don't think that it would be mass hysteria.
0: Well, and then the other thing is, a lot of them was they were nauseous and stuff like that. You don't usually get nauseous from mass hysteria. Right. I mean, I wouldn't think, once again, I'm not an expert on mass hysteria, but now Korshinsky, she's the one that had to, had to go out to the nurse's station and said she called bullshit anyway because she spent two weeks in ICU. She had problems with her legs. She had a problem with her breathing. She had contracted a hepatitis and some kind of a vascular necrosis in her knees. So that's an awful lot of shit to get from mass hysteria. I don't you know that's the whole thing is how how can you actually have physical problems like problems with your knees and the hepatitis from mass hysteria? You can't make yourself have those things.
5: Right. I mean, I've been pretty hysterical before and uh I don't I don't think I have hepatitis. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure how how one ties hepatitis with hysteria.
0: Now, of course, they could just say that, you know, there could have been something that was affected her in there, not not saying that they're it wasn't some result from what was going on, but th- that it didn't result to all 23 people getting sick. So I don't know. I, I think it's, it's kind of travesty because they did all kinds of autopsies on this chick and really didn't mm-hmm. find anything. They found nothing abnormal at all about her blood, nothing about her organs. Other than the fact that she had the cancer, she, according to the autopsies, was perfectly fine. Now, the problem with that is it took them 10 weeks to get her buried because of the fact they were doing all these different autopsies. And and I mean, she literally was like a a medical anomaly. So they wanted to find out what in the world could be causing this. Now, because it took them so long, uh, her body was badly decomposed after 10 weeks, which meant when they turned it back over to the family, they couldn't do their own private autopsy because there really wasn't much to do autopsies left. Everything, you know, she had uh, fecal matter all mixed up with her blood and uh, the body was so decomposed that just they said it was no sense in even trying to to do an, an actual autopsy from a private perspective right i now, guess
5: i've also heard that there's a scientific reason behind this case is that true
0: a little uh, yeah i mean i guess it depends on it because there is some scientists actually came up with some stuff a uh, a group called uh, livermore labs which is out of out of california they did a little private study and they had talked about dimethyl sulfuride. Sulfoxide. Sulfoxide. I'm telling you, when it comes to these medical terms and it gets late at night, it's Don't not. Don't ask me how to spell it. It's not a good combination, but yeah, the dimethyl dem- <laughs> sulfoxide, it's a solvent that is like a really powerful degreaser and you can get it and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of these different, um, Hardware stores and stuff, but it, it's also a home remedy for pain. And well, the first thing that I do when I'm in pain
5: is I go straight for the degreaser. I don't know about you, Jerry, but
0: well, I mean, why wouldn't you? you I know, mean, cause you know, a lot right. of, the, a lot I mean, of the, it only makes sense. A lot of degreasers have orange in them. I kind of like oranges, so I'm partial to that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so right. this stuff, like I said, it can come in a gel form. And what, what makes them believe that this could have been a situation is because her kidneys were not working. If she was doing this, it would build up in her body. Supposedly somebody other people who have tested this says that it does have a garlicky taste. Uh so that would explain, you know, the smell that we were having. Also because of the fact that it's a degreaser, uh it would make sense that that would give a the oily sheen on her body because it would be technically degreasing her. So that's right that's part of what it is. The other part is they say that, um, when it's at room temperature, that it crystallizes. So that might be what they saw right. floating in our blood. And then. And
5: that's, that's when it forms the, the nestal So is when it, is what it's called whenever it hits room temperature and starts to crystallize, I guess.
0: Well, that just sounds complicated. You're, uh, you're <laughs> right. smart. Like I said, don't ask me to spell it. You're smarter than I give credit for. You, uh, did you pick that up at school or the Marines? Because somebody did a good job with you. I know you didn't get that from your <laughs> mom. <laughs> so yeah, I, now they're saying, that? they're also saying that the electric shock, the electric shock combined with this could have actually caused a gas that could have been what was making people nauseous and, and bone out. But, I know you did a little bit of studying on this too. Do you feel like that's a viable explanation for what could have happened? Well, you know, I've been to uh, many hospitals, and I don't
5: think I've ever seen twenty-three separate people visit someone in the hospital, <laughs> especially to work on them. Right. So no, I don't. I don't honestly think that that could be it. Well, I know, you know twenty-three people all inhaling the same gas and getting nauseous and getting sick.
0: It's it's funny because even though you know, now you do have people that say they think this is what happened is. You know, with the dimethylsulfoxide, sulfo- but there's a lot of people who also shoot that down and say that that sounds good in theory, but it's not physically possible for those things to happen. So as it's,
5: it, it would have to be, the stars would have to align for that to happen, I feel for it all to, to play out that way.
0: Yeah, I think so too. As it stands right now, they really don't have an explanation and it's listed as an unsolved uh, medical situation. So as it is, nobody really knows what happened. Uh, we just know that, unfortunately, uh, Gloria passed away from her cervical cancer. A lot of people got sick, and nobody has a clue why. And there was a bunch of people in the ER put out in the parking lot for apparently no reason. <laughs> so. Well, there's my thoughts. Any closing shots on, uh, on Ms. Ramirez? Um, I really can not I mean, I, I
5: I really don't understand exactly how it could happen either way. You know, the scientific way or, you know, maybe there was something wrong with her. Like, I don't know if you ever saw the movie The, the Toxic Avenger where the dude falls in the thing of that a nuclear waste, but um <laughs> unless it was something like that, I, I really had no idea.
0: I'm going to go out on a limb and say that would be a bit of a stretch compared to, <laughs> to, to one, one is an actual movie and the other one is in real life. Hey, but either way. Josh, I appreciate you being on there, brother. Like I said, I know you got tons of stuff going on and you, uh, you took 15, 20 minutes out to be able to do this. And I know your mom will appreciate it. Keep up the good work, man. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Josh is pretty damn smart. He works on planes and doing the wiring and stuff like that. So without him, you don't get in the air. Or you could get in the air, but maybe you don't stay up there. (laughs) So we'll give (laughs) him credit for for what he does. So uh, I appreciate you being on, Josh. Thank you so much, brother. Well, well, I appreciate you having me, Jerry. It's been fun.
5: Thank you.